As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, yours. Last week was weird because it was the conclusion of the Kansas City Chiefs 2021-22 regular season, but it didn't really feel that way. This week is weird because it's the start of the playoffs, and I'm not (laughs) sure if it feels that way. We've got a lot to talk about here as the Chiefs are very near their Sunday Night Football primetime playoff matchup in the wildcard round against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll talk about it for all the time you'll give us here on this edition of Time's Ours. No Nate Taylor with us today, uh, but of course you can always you know, read his work up on The Athletic and follow him on Twitter. Uh, but today it is myself, Joshua Briscoe, and Seth Kaiser. Uh, it's been a while since just you and I have done an episode, Seth. I don't know I don't know how to feel about this. How do you feel right now? Nervous? A little bit. You know, it's kind of, it's one of those things where, you know, you run into an old flame after <laughs> years and you wonder if that spark is still there. None of this applies to me. It's nothing I would know anything about. I've been very happily married since I was 22. But for the purposes of argument, it's like running into an old flame. And you, yeah, you wonder if the spark's still there. We'll see if we've still got the magic. I personally am convinced that this is going to become unhinged, and I'm here for it. Yeah, my goal is not to keep it from being unhinged. My goal is to not let it be unhinged immediately, just so you know where I'm coming from today. Okay, that's fair. I'm going to recalibrate how I do things then. (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, Yeah, I think I think that's where I want us to be, because like it. I don't want to treat this like we treated Broncos week. I, I really, like, I genuinely don't. I've already done a bunch of radio this week. I'll be doing a, a whole lot more <laughs> the rest of these next few days. And um, we've all written and read about this game and obviously this team a million times, a million things this year. But I don't know, man. Like, it's just kind of strange. We just watched the Chiefs wallop this exact team three weeks ago. Like, mm-hmm. TJ Watt is is healthier now, but... But Ben Roethlisberger still doesn't throw the ball more than five yards downfield. Like, I, it's just, I, I don't know, it's, it's, it's been a weird start to a, a playoff week for me. Does that ring true for you, or are you just locked in with all the flames of, you know, playoff heartbreak past? I'm trying to get there, and I'm nervous that I can't get there. I think <laughs> by tomorrow, 
I'm going to be be there. It doesn't feel real that the season could almost that the season could end. Yeah. After this week, it's and that's because <laughs> the last two full years of mm-hmm. my life mm-hmm. have trained me that the Chiefs season doesn't end until after the Super Bowl. Yeah. And then the year before that, it was the AFC Championship. And so it's like, you know, that that's where we're at right now is we've gotten very used to just the playoffs. Yeah, you know, but, you know, there's always next week, but there might not be. And so I'm having a really hard time getting there. And I'm curious. I think Andy Reid and, and Eric Bieniemy and, and Steve Spagnuolo have a really big task ahead of them this week to really hammer into their players you could be done after mm-hmm. this week. This could be it. So some of these cute little mistakes that we've been making all year suddenly could be the difference between your season ending and continuing. And Mahomes mentioned that in an interview, which I appreciate. Um, well, I think during a press conference, I think uh, Adam uh, mm-hmm. Teicher asked mm-hmm. him a really good question about that, which just on a side note, I'm going to, I'm here, here begins the unhinging. Excellent. That's won't be I my really, fault. I haven't said anything in two minutes. So this is all you. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate Adam so much. Mm-hmm. And there are some Chiefs fans that are pretty hard on Adam because they think he's kind of a downer. For one, Adam is way funnier than you think. By um, like whoever's listening. Yes. 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 A thousand times yes. He is he is a funny guy. And he is also like a reporter's reporter's reporter. Mm-hmm. Because I was watching it was the Zoom call. And so he asked Mahomes like what he's learned about the playoffs. Right. And so um um Brad G, the, 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 or Brad Gee, goodness. G, 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 like the letters. Is it G? Yeah. It's not Gee? If it's been Gee, I've been calling that man (laughs) the wrong name for a long time. (laughs) Sorry, Brad. Oh, goodness. Anyway, so Brad, like, gives, you know, he gives Vahim, you know, one question, and then he gives Adam one question, and Adam asks the question. It was an also, Brad, I I have a second question. (laughs) Yes. I love, this is something we were joking about literally today. I love the, um the press conference interjections or like, or cause everyone has a different strategy too, right? Yeah. Some people will say, Brad, I'll have a second one here in a second after this. And then they'll ask their question. Sometimes they'll ask the question and say, Brad, I'll have a second. One. I'll have a follow up. Sometimes they'll just try to butt back in. Like it's, it, there's a, a real, uh, a real manners exercise that we could all give or take on, on zoom press conferences An etiquette yeah. exercise. The word I was looking for. It's, it's so much fun. Yeah, just seeing the different ways people handle it, trying to deal with the fact that you're not there in person, and at any moment the host can mute you. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but anyway, he asked Mahomes about that, and I thought it was a really good angle. And Mahomes did answer with that specific issue that you know how you handle little things can be the difference between your season ending and and the game you know ending not in your favor and the season being over. So I appreciate that, but I feel like the coaches have a pretty big task ahead of them because. I didn't think they would sleepwalk through the game against Denver, and they 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 did a little. Mm-hmm. the The thing about the Steelers that makes this unique isn't that they are like the worst team in the playoffs, and everyone knows it, and the Chiefs <laughs> haven't seen them in a long time. Like, is that it was thirty six to ten last month? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like, no, it, it was bad. It, it wasn't was... close, and it wasn't long ago. It was the day after Christmas. They mollywopped them. And so it's, it, this is even different if it's the, you know, let's say the Ravens were any form of healthy and got into the playoffs. Even if they just got Lamar Jackson back. You know, you could look back. That week two matchup would mean 
just about nothing. Um, The Bills or the Titans, even, obviously, they're both teams that have come in with some heat, not that they'd be overlooking either of them, but, like, those games would not be indicative of what's to come next, and so I feel like you have to go through that whole process again. The Steelers game is weird, because we just saw it, and it wasn't close, but... To your point, I have found myself maybe narrowly and and maybe a bit a bit cautiously. I've found myself being the person who is willing to say that the Chiefs are nothing near infallible. That I, I do it does make my skin crawl a little bit to think about the fact that they had their horrible mistakes and horrible horrible stretch and then beat like two good teams in the stretch following that and lost to one good team, something along those lines. Just because, as we've talked about a million times here, if they make mistakes, good teams can make them pay for that. I mean, the the Giants almost did. That was a long time ago also. But, like, if you go out and you play one of the sloppier-looking games with turnovers or drops or or weird coaching decisions or too much Dan Sorensen or whatever— Mm-hmm. You, you you open up a couple gaps there, and a good team can exploit those. Now, look, every single team is, is coming into this playoff with some form of that. Uh, and I don't know if the Steelers are good enough to exploit those from the Chiefs unless they make a lot of them. But I don't know. If, if I give you today to zoom out a little bit before we get super into the Steelers, what is your what's your confidence level in the Chiefs not having one of the ugly games over the course of these playoffs? Over the course of the whole playoffs, I mean, I'm not sure if you look at their schedule, if they've played four great games in a row. Hmm. And that's, I'm, I'm Cowboys, Broncos, Raiders, Chargers, or, or Broncos, Raiders, Chargers, Steelers would be your four. I'm not telling you those are great. And I'm also not telling you they're going to get to see the Broncos and Raiders in back-to-back weeks, you know, like. Right. Although to be fair, the Raiders are a playoff team. Yeah. Um. It is. So there's a couple things that are interesting to me here, because I suppose when you think about it, so the Green Bay and New York wins, people barely look at it wins because yes. they kind of eat yep. them out. Yep. And so that I, that is something that's interesting to me is I've noticed that the way the Chiefs are talked about, like, think of the discourse about surrounding the Chiefs following the the win over the Chargers mm-hmm. in, in mid-December. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, everyone's like, man, those Chargers look good. I'm like, what the? What, <laughs> what's going on? Like, wait a minute. And then after the Bengals narrowly beat the Chiefs with some, with some you know, great win for them. Mm-hmm. Um, then it was, oh, man, the Bengals look at us like, well, wait, wait. Like, does it, that, does it matter putting a contender, pushing a contender to the limit, or does it not? Yeah. Or, or I think really, I... I said this. Um, I've said this in a few places now. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna probably double down this. I think I see why Patriots fans became so insufferable. Yeah. Because it because the the national discourse is always gonna be how are you fallible? How can you fail? Right. It, and are you done? That discourse always happens. This is something that I feel like has only become clear over this stretch. Like you're saying, that discourse is always about what is changing or what is different or what is new. And for the Chiefs, being good and pushing other contenders to the brink is not new. It, it is not interesting. It's interesting yeah. whenever they are pushed. Yeah, it's like, well, why didn't they? Why didn't they win? And it's just kind <laughs> of funny. Like it's so weird. People are talking about how vulnerable the Chiefs are, 
Since week eight in a 10-week stretch, hold, let me hold on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight games. They went nine and one in their last 10 games, barely losing to a really good playoff team. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. They play by and, different rules now. I mean, that I think that's undeniable. They, they, and that's what, that's what has people like doubting them. But it really is, I don't know. They, I can understand and... Uh, it, just a personal pet peeve of mine. Whenever I have someone be like, hey, hey, we need to focus on the Steelers. I'm like, well, I mean, I don't. You don't, like, actually. Yeah. Like, you... no one no one cares what I think. It's not like this week in practice, you know, the team was huddling up and Andy was, Aaron Patrick's, you know, going through the, the play that they're about to practice. And Orlando Brown's kind of staring off into the distance, <laughs> you know, not really paying attention. And Patrick's like, hey, hey, Orlando, what are you doing? He's like, oh, sorry, man. He's just. I was hearing what Seth Kaiser was talking about. <laughs> he thinks we're probably winning. I just, I don't know. And then, you know, and, you know, Joe Tooney chimes in. You know, I was looking at what Seth said, too, and I don't really. Can we just go home? Like, do we really need to? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that would be such absolutely. a bizarre situation. And then Patrick, you know, glares at him both of them. It's like, you know what? You make a good point. Yeah, if, we, should, if, if we should take a half day. The fans are taking this pretty lightly. They're probably right, guys. Like, so... At the same time, if I feel this way, like if I'm kind of used to the success, yeah, I can't help but wonder if they're not a little bit. But the the thing is, without that, with without if they had won the game against Cincinnati, everyone would have said, "Oh man, you know, two of their last four games were against you know, actually three of their last five games were against either." Hold on. Hold on. Four of their last five. Four games of their last. Pittsburgh's in the playoffs. I keep. I keep thinking of Pittsburgh as a better team or as yeah. a worse team than the Chargers. You would be they right. Are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are. I actually. Um. I, I listened to. Um. Uh. Dan Wetzel and Charles Robinson and Dan Wetzel was just going after Staley. He's like, because he's got a playoff team that's not in the playoffs, and I was like, you know what? Yeah. I like a lot of what Staley does, but that's fair. Also, that's their like, defense hasn't. Well, their defense wasn't very good, and he has a defensive coach. I, I, I get. Yeah. I think I get painted into a corner of having to defend Brandon Staley yeah, at every possible makes, turn because he does. Right. He does stand for a lot of things that I'm very here for. But, yeah, but I also would not say that he was in coach of the year contention this year. You know, yeah, I don't. Defense. Their defense was worse this year. Yeah, it's weird, and, huh? And yeah, that that's just a little weird. And honestly, Justin Herbert might be in that. You know. Mahomes Rogers conversation for being borderline unstoppable. Yeah. So I don't know how much credit I'm giving him for that. And I like a lot of the stuff he does does to give his team edges. Mm-hmm, me too. And but it's just it's just it's an interesting. I'd never heard it phrased like that. He's like he's got a playoff team that's not in the playoffs. And I was yeah. like that that's a really good way of putting it. He ven- eventually um, he's going to get fired, and people are going to say it's because he's too aggressive on fourth down, and it's actually going to be because they have the 25th ranked defense in football three consecutive years, and it's going to set back it's going to set back analytics and aggressiveness by a decade. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, and that's going to only help the Chiefs. So I'm here for fair it. enough. Yeah, good point. <laughs> actually, you know what? It's only going to hurt the Chiefs because people are still going to go for it constantly just against the Chiefs. Also, probably it's like, well. Well, we better do this way to give us the best chance to win. And how no one is saying, well, coach, if this gives us the best chance to win against a really good team, wouldn't it improve our chances against a worse team? Quiet, you! You know, <laughs> someone get that out of here. He's talking crazy. Right. Like, um, but so here's the point I was going to make before I got derailed by my inability to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Of the Chiefs' final five games of the season, four of them, three of them were playoff teams. Mm-hmm. One of them was a playoff team until they kind of, you know, until literally away. the last second of the regular season. Yeah, the, until literally the last second of the regular season. 
And then one was a division rival that has traditionally played them tough. And they won four of those games. Yeah. And everyone's like, ah, oh, they're so vulnerable. And furthermore, they won a couple of those games 48 to 9. Yeah. And 36 to 10. So you're like, oh, these close losses. Like, well, yeah, three of them were or these close wins or close losses. Three of them were were closer wins. But or two of them were closer wins, one's a loss. Man, I'm a mess today. I need Nate. Yeah, we all need um, Nate. We all do need a little Nate in our lives. But it's just fascinating to me, the discourse. And all that said, I think I'm trying to talk myself out of being nervous. Maybe that's the point I'm at right now. Because that would be so weird if they lost Sunday. Yeah, I don't have much of anything in terms of nerves on the Chiefs' behalf against the Steelers. And and I think, because like I said earlier, like I'm not... This isn't me saying that the Chiefs are actually... Uh, a, a team with more weaknesses than anyone else in the a- AFC side of the playoffs, at least. I mm-hmm. Not to be like, the Packers, may, maybe they do. I'm not just not paying that close of attention right now. But on the AFC side of things, I'm, I'm not saying that the Chiefs are more, uh, I don't know, upsettable than the Titans or Bills are. I, I think, what I, what I do think, though, is that for the first time in a couple of years, I think it's really close. Mm-hmm. amongst those teams and and also compared to where the Chiefs have been in years past. This would be demonstrably 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 See, we're, good we're a Lord. mess without him. Nate just be I just, Lord of Nate's here in the room with me. Just give me a sign. Um I'm all I, out of love. I'm so lost without you. Okay, I'm I've sorry. got LED That's... lights, like like some string lights in my office here and they actually started flashing like an episode of Stranger Things. And so I do think Nate is here. Um, I, you could demonstrably disprove this or prove it, I guess, if someone wanted to go back into the archives. But I, I am pretty sure that entering the playoffs the last two years, I had personally just an, an air of confidence in in what the Chiefs are going to be able to do, partially in having a first round bye, partially in the, the times they had been a fire-breathing dragon over the season previously. And I just don't think I have that this year. And I, I, that is so subjective that is not predictive i i just keep no. thinking about some of the stretches of this season that did not feel as good as the last two years did for the chiefs whenever patrick mahomes was out there obviously injuries notwithstanding mm-hmm. and, and so i i don't maybe i just don't have something recent in mind from those years to be unnerved by but we we saw them lose to the Bengals. I mean, they could lose to the Bengals again. Like that's that's just where I end up. Now it, it is funny also that I say that um, because it would not surprise me if they lost to the Titans, Bills, or Bengals at any point. I'd be right. stunned if they lost to the Steelers or Raiders. And yeah, pretty that surprised would be a if they super lost to the bummer. That would be. Can you like if the Raiders or the Steelers are the team that knocked them out of the playoffs? That will be a disappointment. Like I have people ask all the time. Um, well, I mean, Super Bowl or bust, right? And I always say no. Like that, that's just, it's really, really hard to make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like you can't expect to make the Super Bowl every year, even the Patriots and people remember that dynasty a little goofy because it was so long. Yep. There were plenty of years. The Patriots didn't make the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. They didn't win one for a decade. Yeah. They didn't win one for a decade. I think they made one or two during that span and they just had two different ends of the dynasty because Tom Brady drank vampire blood or whatever mm-hmm. it is he did. Um, man, that guy, he's going to be playing until he's 60, Josh. Anyway. Yeah, absolutely. He, he's going to be really good. Patrick he's Mahomes playing. might retire before Tom Brady does, and that's <laughs> that's after Patrick Mahomes has had a long Super Bowl winning career. 
Yeah. And yeah, it just won't matter because Brady will still be playing and we'll have collected one or two more in the meantime or three or four more. Gosh. Anyway, so I, I, I think one reason you might be feeling this way, because I was thinking about this. Why did this year feel so tumultuous to me? Mm-hmm. And I think what it is, is if you look at 2020, they only lost one game that they were trying to win. Hmm. In 2020, because they were 14 and two, right? Yeah. And of those two, they, they, the, the final week, you know, that was Chad Henney. Mm-hmm. So in 2020, and that, that game they lost was in week five, and it was a weird loss to the Raiders that they later avenged. But like they, in a I mean, bloody they, fashion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was. And so they lost, they, they won their first four games last year. They lose one to the Raiders, and everyone's kind of upset. And then they proceeded to get a good win over Buffalo. I mean, then, then they I mean, they won like eight in a row or mm-hmm. something like that, nine in a row. And they then they clinched the one seed in week 16. And so there was no, like, the, the, the controversy around the Chiefs last year was, boy, they didn't beat Atlanta by as much as they should have. Right, you know? right. And that came on the heels of, like, a miraculous – performance against new orleans so like they never really looked mortal last year in the same way they looked mortal this year where it actually cost them games Mm. like that was the big thing for me this year like when they lost games i was surprised every time it happened i was like whoa holy crap that's weird and that's because they don't really lose very often but if you look at like 2018 and 2019 they kind of went through some stretches Mm mm-hmm you know, so like 2018, you obviously had the, uh, you know, the, the the Rams loss on the, that ridiculous Monday night football game. But they also, I mean, they, they had also lost to the Patriots. But then uh, down the stretch in 2018, and this is easy to forget because it was such a record-setting year, they lost two of their last three games. They lost to the Chargers, then they lost to Seattle, and then they just beat the daylights out of the Raiders. And then in 2019, you obviously have the stretch that everyone remembers, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, Mahomes talked about it at his Super Bowl speech, you know, that <laughs> my knee was hanging out on my side. And <laughs> um, when he was totally not completely intoxicated. Not at all. Was, <laughs> none of them, none of them were can. completely hammered that no, day. No. Um, but I mean, it, like that season, I mean, they lost three of four midway through the season, and four of six. You know, if you go Indy, Houston, Denver, Green Bay, Minnesota, Tennessee, they lost the game. Mahomes came back, and everyone was starting to freak out. But no one remembers that because, you know, they won the Super Bowl. So I would postulate that your nerves, maybe it's just because 2020 was so dominant that we just, when they looked vulnerable, it wasn't because they lost. Yeah, I, I would I would just maybe put the, the the tweak on it that they just they don't seem like a team uh, of superhumans exclusively this year. They yeah. they seem they seem like a group like a group of the best mortals playing football instead of a group of of superheroes. Yeah, I think that's a fair way to put it. Travis Kelsey's played most of the year kind of dinged up. Yeah, I, I mean in between plays you can tell he's kind of hurting. Um. I mean, at least maybe I'm reading way too much into it because then after he scores, he's like, you know, he's like, dopamine, yes! You know, just, I mean, I I assume that's what he's yelling, but who knows? (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> Who's probably no, that's probably it. Who's to say what people yell when they celebrate? Um, but I, I agree because like Tyreek Hill has been a little linked up. And because this year the whole cover two conversation and they've kind of like become this super efficient dink and dunk offense. So that's a really good point. Oh, fun fact. They finished the regular season third in Football Outsiders DVOA. That means that every year under Mahomes, they've been uh, the top one of the top three offenses in DVOA. You have any idea how hard that is to That's do insane. year after year? That is ridiculous. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you mentioned Tyreek Hill, by the way, and I, I should mention this because it actually has gotten, I would say, a little bit more concerning from yesterday, even on on in terms of the Chiefs' current health. Um, Daryl Williams has been limited in back-to-back practices this week. Wednesday and Thursday, he was limited. Kyle Edwards-Elair was limited yesterday, but did not practice today, being Thursday. Uh, that's not the direction you want to see somebody go, typically. Um Tyreek Hill also, yesterday was a full participant, but was limited today. Friday will be interesting. I fully expect Tyreek Hill to be active. I would think Darrell Williams probably is. I would think Clyde Redzi-Lair probably isn't, just based off of how today has gone. But Mm -hmm. if you want to get nervous about something, and also a wonderful segue into the latest piece in the Chief in the North newsletter at (laughs) mnchiefsfan.substack.com, you you wrote uh, about, and it was uh, spurred on by a, take that I perfectly predicted was coming, which I can pat myself on the back for as you talk about it. Um, but you you have this piece in the newsletter about how Tyreek Hill's game has evolved this year, how he has adapted to all of the things we spent the first chunk of the season talking about and how, I mean, I, you could build an argument if you wanted to, that I'd be very willing to hear that this is in some ways the most impressive year of Tyreek Hill's career, at least when you consider how he has played in years past to how he has played this year. Um, also, if he is not out there for the Chiefs against the Steelers, that would make me a little nervous. They'd be, they'd crush the Steelers without Tyreek, with a limited Tyreek Hill and no Travis Kelsey last time. So I forgot they didn't have Kelsey. I know. I've forgotten that mo- so many times this week that Jeepers. I finally remembered it. Gosh, um, they just beat the crap out of them. With two Ew. receptions for the, co- the combination of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Two catches. <laughs> I think it was two well, for 19. They, they also allow me be, to be the first to tell you, and maybe one day someone proves this wrong, but I'm like 99.9% convinced. They didn't run a single play that we haven't seen before that game. Yeah, I think you're Not one. Yeah. They were like, ah, I don't think we really need to dress this up. Why don't we just, uh, yeah, throw it to Blake Bell. Yeah. It's just like, yep. okay. Yep. Then we'll win by 26. 
And, and TJ Watt was hurt, and he's a game wrecker, mm-hmm. one of the best defensive players in the NFL. But I just, it's hard for me to believe that one guy will change the game that much. But maybe, maybe. Um, but yes, with Tyreek Hill, it's, it, you You did, so I remember you've been talking about this, that people would start saying, oh, you know, what's wrong with Tyreek Hill? Or Patrick because Mahomes, for that matter. I think I probably said it about Patrick Mahomes, but I will I will take right. the transitive property here. Sure, sure. Well, nice, nice term, transitive Thank property. Thank you. So, basically, Tyreek Hill, there, there's a segment um, in Kyle, that Kyle Brandt did, and I like Kyle Brandt, honestly. I, I, I enjoy watching him. I enjoy Good Morning Football. I... They're entertaining. I think they do a good job finding stuff to talk about. And one of the things he said that we, you know, and Chiefs fans took offense. And when I wrote the article, I had a bunch of people like tag him and like, ah, yeah, he can suck it. It's like, well, that's not why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that it's not, I, it's not because I don't respect someone. I just disagree. And here's why. Um, and I'm right. So, you know. <laughs> so it does put the, him at a disadvantage because you're objectively yeah, yeah, correct. It is. I have that. There, there's, there's a famous line. I, I can't remember who said it. it. sounds like something like Mark Twain would have said. You know, you know, to be fair, I have the distinct advantage of, of having the correct opinion. So I have a distinct <laughs> advantage in this debate. There's some version of that. Yeah. Anyway, so he, he talked about, you know, maybe Tyree Kill isn't as explosive as he's been. And he, he pointed out the lack of 50-yard touchdowns from Hill, mm-hmm. which, to be fair, I mean, that's something that he's done year in and year out. Mm-hmm. But it's also something that really ignores his usage. The Chiefs have really had him play the role of a glorified possession receiver this year. Um, they really have taken shot plays with him fairly out of the equation. And that's partly because, and I, I could be wrong about this, I think without Sammy Watkins, I don't think they have another guy there besides Kelsey that they really trust consistently to be a, like a, a more possession type guy. And so they've got other guys that can run go routes. Now, can they draw attention the way Hill can? Can they make it? No. But you you got to figure out, you know, what's, you know, what are you, you're trying to triage this, right? You've got to figure out what's important. Being able to run your offense is important, um, I think. Mm-hmm. And I would say that you're right that this might be Tyreek Hill's most impressive year because defenses, everything defenses are doing to stop Mahomes that we've heard about all year, one could argue should have had an even bigger effect on Tyreek Hill Mm. if he were the one-trick pony everyone claimed he was, Mm. right? It's just this athletic freak, just this really fast, deep ball guy. But instead, he's tied for third in the league in first downs. He's right at the top of the league in yards and catches. He has become an awesome possession receiver. Some drops aside, those drops did not make us happy mm-hmm. when they happened. Mm-hmm. But he has he's adapted and he utilizes his skill set now to be a, an, an elite possession receiver. And that's something that most players can't do is thrive and be extremely high-level players in very different offenses because make no mistake, this chief's offense this year is a very different offense. And I think that's really impressive. And it's also just, I think incredibly interesting. And within the context of what the chiefs were faced with this year, like I, I don't know how many receivers can make a switch to a like fundamentally different style. If that makes sense. Like uh, he, this year he's, he's averaging seven, the regular season, he averaged 7.88 yards per target. 
he averaged nearly 10. It was 9.5 and 9.7 in 2020 and 2019, respectively. It was 10.8 in 2018, and actually 11.3 in 2017, which is kind of interesting. But like you said, I mean, he's also blown by his reception record for himself. Um, and you mentioned where he stands in terms of first down conversions. Just, just mm-hmm. to, again, just I'm comparing the last couple of years because I think it's interesting – Converting 75 first downs this year compared to 57 last year or 66 back in 2018. Uh, again, that's, you know, indicative of more stick moving things and fewer 70 yard chunks or whatever. Same for the yards per target and yards per touch and yards per reception and all of those different relatively simple stats. But I think that here probably do the job. Uh, mm-hmm. Yards per reception, we're talking about 11.2 compared to n- nearly 15 two years in a row, 17, and nearly 16 the year before that. Um, I don't uh, Air yards I haven't found yet. I was going to pull that up also, because that would probably be the best indicator of how far down the field it is. But, I mean, going through this process and looking at what this transformation has been, do you feel like there is a comparison or a number of receivers in the league that could that can – fundamentally change their style the way that, that Tyree Kill has had to do at times this year? Run that question by me one more time. It, yeah, it wasn't very well phrased. <laughs> I, really, if I, Nate was I, here, I thought I knew problem. how I was going to answer you, and then I got to the last part. How unique, one more time. How unique do you – I'm going to ask it better this time, actually. I'm going to do both of us a favor and the audience. How unique is it for a receiver to be able to do something like a straight-up costume change from one year to the next in the way that Tyree Kill's had done at times? I think it's super unique because it's super unique. You're asking questions like that, and I'm providing analysis. Like it's super unique. We could probably, um, we've got, we've passed the 30 minute mark. We could just end the show right now. I think the Chiefs beat could. the Steelers. Bye, mom. That's a different. Yep. <laughs> um. So it's really a uh, it's it's unique for him in that most guys have a physical skill set that might limit them. Mm-hmm. to certain things, right? Like as there are some receivers who are good deep threats, but they're never going to be elite ones because of, you know, lacking downfield, you know, speed, mm-hmm. you know, like, like a DeAndre Hopkins type, right? Really good downfield threat. Don't get me wrong. This is not, you know, because he can catch everything. He runs great routes, all that. But he's not like, you know, Mr. Wow. He's going to have, you know, eight touchdowns of, of 40 yards or more because he's burning you deep constantly. Right. Um, the help you need with him isn't always necessarily over the top. There are physical limitations put in place. And with Hill, that physical limitation was supposed to maybe be his size or the fact that he's a body catcher mm. as opposed to like a really good hands guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he does have good hands, but he, he generally traps against his body. And that's hurt him a few times this year. Mm. Um, I think that's rare because of that. There's usually limitations and guys can't be they can be really good at one thing and then elite at another thing, but being elite at multiple things, that's really hard to do. And I think there's only a handful of receivers in the league that can really be whatever the offense needs them to be snap by snap by snap. This might be a little bit in the weeds and I'll remind people again, you can go read this story up in the chief of the North newsletter, mnchiefsfan.substack.com. This is also unlocked for everybody. So even if you're not a subscriber yet, for some reason you can read this and then subscribe afterwards. It's an honor system thing. Uh, But (laughs) one of the things I think is interesting that that you've pointed out, and again, this is better with the video clips and everything. So go look at it on the site, but there is still a way that he uses the elite speed, the elite explosiveness, and the traits that we all recognize once he has the ball in his hand. He, he's utilized that in short yardage 
instances very frequently this year because it, it is yes. again like a ridiculous trait. Can you unpack that a little bit more? That whatever you whatever you think is most interesting from that section, and then we'll go make people read the rest of it for everything else. Yes, absolutely. So obviously Tyreek Hill, and that that was one thing that bothered me about the segment that I watched. If anything else, the thing I would disagree so strongly. It's like, well, Tyreek Hill's stats are different because he's not as explosive. Mm. And to me, the reason that bothered me so much is I feel like it takes two minutes of watching his routes yeah. to see, and really not even times he gets targeted. Just watch him on all 22 run routes. He is so much faster than everyone else. Yeah. It's weird. He's weird to watch. You don't even, you don't need to see his number and he's got kind of a unique body type for a receiver. But even if they had four other dudes with his exact body type running routes, you'd be able to tell who he was because mm. he moves like he's been sped up 10%. Yeah. It's, it's really wild. It's often, it's like how we do this show often. Um, and so fast, I, I and, just, I don't know. I don't know if I follow the analogy. I don't know. It's yeah, like okay. we're sped up. Look, what do you want from me? Anyway, <laughs> I want you to not suck Seth. That's what I want. <laughs> I just want to make sure I wasn't missing something. And that what you're saying is it's like being sped up by 20%. I got, I, I, I yeah, no, yeah. no, you're, you're, the, you're with me now. The issue, the issue, the reason that didn't compute with me is that Tyreek Hill is really good at his job. Wow. Man, that was, that hurt unexpectedly. <laughs> I was, ta- was I was talking about both of us. I was in the ship oh, with you. Oh, sure, sure. I'm saying no, that yes. us, not you. I'm saying that we're both. <laughs> we both are 20 percent faster than we than anyone expected us to be. And <laughs> it's just that that's where the similarities in because Tyree Kill is has a bunch of other good traits, and we're just fast. Right. Yeah, we're just fast. <laughs> we're not good. We're just fast. So what he's done, he still has that freakish top end speed, but he also has weird acceleration. Mm. Um, which is something he and, and McCall Hardman share, by the way. Mm-hmm. And that's why, he, you know, people that hate on McCall Hardman, that's why he keeps getting snaps. Watch a couple of those plays against Denver. No one can accelerate with him. There's a reason he can go neck and neck with Hill for the first 20 yards. Mm. It's that it's just Hill just keeps getting faster and faster like yeah. the whole time. Yeah. It's It's weird. But Hill also has the ability to stop and start. And then accelerate in just a way other players can't. And he, what he does now is he harnesses that ability for yards after the catch. And even though his total yards after the catch stats aren't huge, um, it's the way in which he does it. And so there's a couple snaps in there where you know, he just he catches the ball. There is a you know a defender right there, and he just runs away from them mm-hmm. in a way you're not supposed to be able to at the NFL level. Like they're supposed to be able to chase you to the sideline and out of bounds after you gain a yard or two. What Hill does is he just literally runs around them and gains a first down. And that's something that you generally only see at lower levels of competition. Mm. You don't see that, you know, at the in the NFL. And so that's where he's he's taken his unique physical gifts and he harnesses them for his new role. And it, it's just super impressive. And that's a reason he can be like a souped up possession receiver. It's super interesting. The story is worth your time, so you go check that out there. Uh, to the point of his limitations right now, how much of a difference do you think it makes if he does or doesn't play specifically against the Steelers? I think that makes a pretty big difference um, in terms of you know the ceiling for the Chiefs. But again, you know, you pointed out they didn't really need him that much the first time. Yeah, and so unless the Steelers have a much better game plan, and maybe that game plan is just hope T.J. Watt just destroys stuff 
But they also, this isn't the Steelers' defense of years past. They also need to stop the run, and they didn't really do a great job of that either. And if you take all the little short stuff where where Tyree kills just faster than everybody right away and has that little quickness that you've got in a thousand gifts here, TJ Mm -hmm. Watt can be on fire. Patrick Mahomes should just throw the ball to Tyree Kill really quickly, in my humble opinion. It, that would be my exactly. big brain take. So he he is a good negator of that sort of, of game plan. Like, yeah. we're just going to pressure him. Yeah. And honestly, so is the Chiefs offensive line, mm, by and good large. Point. The, the only game that they've really struggled, and I honestly don't think it was all them. I think I've talked about this. That was the worst game in Patrick Mahomes' career, was the Titans game, mm-hmm. where it felt like they were losing. And the more I watched that, the more I was like, oh, that, that was not mostly the line. That was a lot of Mahomes. Yeah. Um, and so the the line, it's just it, they're a tough team to win. Oh, we're gonna just get after the pass rush, the passer all day. Well, you know what? Yeah, you can try to pick on Andrew Wiley, but the rest of the line has been really good in pass pro, and Wiley's played well. Um, not like you know star level well, but like adequately, and they can help him. So I just don't think if they were missing Hill and Kelsey, I would be I'd, I'd be nervous. But they kind of already were, and they just yep. destroyed them. Yep. And Andy, playoff Andy Reid has been a little bit of a different animal mm-hmm. um, the last few years. Yes, they got destroyed by the Buccaneers. There was a lot going on there. To quote Chris Brown of Smart Football, there aren't any plays for we can't block them. Yeah. There, there's no, like everyone's like, oh, yeah, the Chiefs should have adapted. And there's a few things I wish they had done. But you can't plan an offense around we literally can't block them against the run or the pass. Prior this, to that, they, they had destroyed Buffalo. People forget that in the AFC Championship. Mm-hmm. They they beat they they were they were on their way to rolling the Browns. Mm-hmm. And then Mahomes got hurt and they beat him with Chad Henney. Mm-hmm. So I just think you might see a little bit. This might be the week, like if the Chiefs mollywop the Steelers again, the one thing the NFL, the rest of the NFL will be able to take solace in is okay, okay, they beat the crap out of the Steelers a little while ago. That's not just because it puts the playoffs now and it's different. And the NFL better hope so. Because yeah. the Chiefs have hurt themselves all year. Uh, let's let's talk about one thing on the defensive side here. It's been a major story all week. Spags talked about. Everyone's asking about. Melvin Ingram is going up against once again hashtag Team Gosh. Volunteer. Uh, this is the funniest. Like, it's hilarious to me that Ben Roethlisberger is like he's going to have three last games at least at minimum because he got the last game in Pittsburgh and then the last game in the regular season and I was going to be a playoff game. That part's funny to me just that that uh that that farewell tour has an extra few tour stops somewhere. I might have even been on this podcast. I can't remember. I just decided that I'm sticking with the idea that uh that Ben Roethlisberger is like the Elton John of of farewell tours. Like I feel like Elton John has been on a farewell tour for like 5 years that I've just occasionally seen tweets about, right? I feel like that's accurate. Um, that's where Big Ben is at right now. But uh, on the other side, another storyline is that Melvin Ingram is going up against the team that traded him to the Chiefs. This is funny now because it's not just what can Melvin Ingram do for the Chiefs down the stretch or in the playoffs, but it is literally him against his old team in the playoffs for a sixth round pick where he's also done absolutely nothing, Seth. I mean, and I know that you've written about this a few times now. I can't do this again. <laughs> but uh, we might have talked about, did we talk about this some 
last episode? We I think did. it had just come out. I, yeah, because I, I'd, I'd written it really recently, but yeah, I mean, other than, other than you know, a little bit, you know, he didn't do much. It's one fumble for us. It was just one big fumble. Yeah, we guess we did talk about this on, on Monday, but I, I wanted to circle back on it here today because it, it was a, it was a very frequent topic in the press conferences today. And, and I, I don't think that we've talked about what he could do on Sunday. Um, and I figure it's worth unpacking still of, of what he, he has done for this pass rush and could potentially do in terms of, of damage on Sunday against his sure. former team that just traded yes. him here because he didn't want to be so there. You know, that's actually, he was right by I, the way, like he didn't want to be there anymore. And he was, he was correct. Yeah, he was correct. He's like, guys, I'm better. And like, even Tomlin, I mean, he wasn't trying to be mean about it. Tomlin's a pretty straight shooter, mm-hmm. but he even said like, yeah, we all maybe think we're a little better than maybe we are at this point. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and he wasn't being a jerk. I think he was be just being honest. And I think he was wrong. And, and it, like, to me, it's like one of those things where I don't care who they had replace him or how well they're playing. You tell me you couldn't use another good defensive lineman. Yeah. Everyone can use another good defensive lineman. Yeah. The Chiefs, the Chiefs could use another one right now. If another a Melvin Ingram clone fell out of the sky, I'd be like, "That's awesome!" Right. Like, that's, rotate him in. Right. So, what he adds, this is kind of an interesting thing. Like, with with maybe if there is a chance, the Chiefs are like, ah, you know, it's the wild card round, it's the Steelers, whatever. He should be helpful in keeping the defense pretty locked in mm. because he can bring kind of that that screw you energy to mm-hmm. the game. And you and I, we've talked about this before. Never underestimate the value of screw you energy. Mm-hmm. Like that is like, that is something that can keep a, that can keep a fella going yeah. for a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so, sure can. And, and beyond the mental, I mean, he's just, he's a good pass rusher. He's good against the run. He He's just a good all around player who's consistently physical and is relatively matchup proof. Like high level tackles, he's not going to win a ton against them, but he's not going to get dominated. And they're going to have to work all day, and he's going to be miserable to play against. Unless you're Trent Williams and you just inhale everyone. Um, but that's not based on anything I've seen this season because he hasn't played against Trent Williams. I'm just assuming that because Trent Williams inhales everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry. Like having Kirby, Trent. no, it's like having Kirby at left tackle. Yeah, it's like having Kirby in left tackle. We've done that bit many times before of like, let's build our perfect football team out of video game characters. And yeah. we can bring that to times ours in the offseason, no question. Yeah, Kirby at, Kirby at left tackle but would see, be unbelievable. But also, if you had, I, I don't know, Kirby's straight line speed leaves something to be desired. So that I guess he, he probably couldn't be like a safety. But imagine having Kirby at safety with enough speed to get near the ball and everything is picked off, right? Like, yeah. He's kind of a feast or famine guy. You you, yeah. you throw you cannot throw to Kirby's side of the field ultimately, right? Because he'll just and you got to think about it. He doesn't need that much speed because that inhaling ability, right? That travels a little. Okay, it's not like it's just right next to him. If what is right. what's the radius for that in real life? Is it ten yards? Because if it's ten yards, he could be as fast as me and he'd be fine. That's not true, but he could be a little faster than me he, and he'd be fine. He would be able to cover a zone without moving his feet. Probably have to play a lot of zone, probably not a lot of man coverage because he's not very quick. <laughs> He'd be the greatest robber in history. Right. Now, here's um, a follow-up question. Yes. I told you my goal was not to keep this show from going off the rails, but to keep it till towards the end. Here yes. we are. Do these characters have to wear helmets? Because... I mean, it depends. Bowser already has a helmet. But here's the thing. I think Kirby would forego the helmet, but if he does have to wear a an NFL legal helmet... He's not going to be able to inhale the ball. It's going to hit him in the face mask every time. Oh. So is it – I'm curious. Are helmets a 
choose to or have to thing in NFL games. I assume it's a have to. I think at this point it's got to be a have to because like if, yeah, it, if there, it comes off your head, you have to like this play stops now, right? Right, and there's a penalty for taking off because remember the Chiefs. Well, this was yes. way before your time. No, I they, do remember this. They yeah, they won a football on, game because of it against the Browns. Browns, yeah, okay, good. Yeah, I do yeah, remember it was one that. Of it was funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Jeez. Um, just like I mean, unbelievable way to lose a game if you're, which you know, it's the Browns. That's also a dumb one, like a dumb, like just just dumb for them. But I mean, oh yeah. When was this? Um, 2002. Wow, that is wild. I, so what, for whatever reason, that is that is probably among my earlier football memories <laughs> because it was so strange. <laughs> well, it's just so unusual. Um, I don't remember a lot of specific see- moments from 2002 football. That is wild. I I, I remember this. 30-yard <laughs> field and I'm goal. I'm proud of you. Are you kidding me? Um, So I don't even remember how we got on that. I think we're just feeling pretty confident about the Chiefs. Oh, Ingram. He uh he 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 adds not as much as Kirby would, but he adds a lot <laughs> to the defense. I that's think right. that's where we were. The yeah. other thing is a pass rush is complimentary. The more good pass rushers you have, the better off you are. That's like a duh kind of statement, but it's also very it's more than just you have one extra guy who's good. It's complimentary in multiple ways. Like if you have two guys who win their pass or snap on the same down, the pressure that you have is better than just one guy, right? Cause there's no escape valve. That's why anytime you mm. see like the pocket kind of collapse, that almost always ends in a sack mm-hmm. as opposed to just a pressure. Right. And that's a big deal. Cause it, you know, it ends the play. And then additionally, if you've got two guys that win a little more often, then you're going to have fewer snaps where no one wins. Because that's the goal. You want you want one dude to win every snap. But the problem is even the very best pass rushers win like a quarter of the time. And so, in you know, if you just do the math, if you've got four pass rushers, unless you've got four, you know, four elite players, you're probably going to have a tough time with overlap and you're going to have some snaps where there's just not very much pressure. The goal is to have that be as few as possible because pressure is one of the consistently biggest things that differentiates, you know, the biggest split is in quarterbacks, how they throw. It's not, you know, what type of coverage or whatever. It's under pressure versus no pressure. Yeah. NFL quarterbacks, even not very good ones, are really good if there's no pressure. Mm-hmm. And so that's that that complementary aspect of it. It's a really big deal. And I that's why it's better than some of the parts. And it fits such a need they had. There was this glaring need because Alex Okafor, I mean, Okafor's looked better since Ingram's been in town because he's got a lesser role. Mm-hmm. Mike Dana has a lesser role. Um, they active, activated Kendo, which I, I thought was kind of interesting. When um, did that happen? Just the other day. Well, they didn't activate him. They, they, they designated him IR to return. Boy, it is literally my job to remember stuff like that. And I totally missed that yesterday. Huh? Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. True story. Um, let me, they, they had placed him on the injury reserve or maybe I'm just making crap up. No, they, they activated him to the active roster. Yes. They, I think also because they, they've been operating at a deficit for a while. They didn't have to release anybody. Um, but yeah, I totally missed that. Interesting. Yeah. I have no idea, you know, whether that means anything, but anyway, it was just a surprise to me, but you, you, you delegate these kind of guys that, that, that maybe aren't going to win very consistently to lesser roles to where at the very least they are super fresh every time they come in. And that is an advantage. 
Um, you know, that this isn't an argument for like clock management or whatever, but it's just a, the reality being that if you can rotate a guy who is completely fresh against an offensive lineman who's played eight snaps in a row, there's an advantage to be had there. Yeah. So it allows guys like Tershawn Wharton or Mike Dana, you know, to get a little bit more of an edge. So there's just all this stuff that works complementary to where it's bigger than the sum of the parts. Similar to how Mike Pinnell, when he came in, it wasn't any and, and Ingram's a better player than Pinnell, all due respect to Pinnell, mm-hmm. who I will love forever for what he contributed to a Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you fill a niche so well on a defense that it's bigger than just the player himself. This is definitely a bigger conversation, but I wonder I wonder if that would point towards a team building strategy of more more quality starters than than sort of a stars and scrubs sort of approach. It definitely would point to if you could pull it off with healthy versions of these guys. Like if you can have stars and Chris Jones and Frank Clark, maybe it is maybe that that logic would make sense for push for that and maybe find your your secondary off of some practice squads and in second chance kind of guys. But I, I wonder if that wouldn't make sense in terms of, Hey, you know, instead of I'm using Frank Clark, just cause he's the guy there. I'm just, nobody yell at me. I'm not, I'm not on here for a Frank Clark fight today. And Frank um, Clark, we've all agreed has the second half of the year had a really good season. Yeah. Although I'm, I do, I don't know if that has lessened or if he's just done less uh, openly, openly, you know, big like sacks and stuff. And I'm, if I'm just not, you know, looking at pressures or whatever, um, but I, I wonder if you, you know, you replace his $30 million with two $15 million guys. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not, that's not even, a, I don't have a take. I'm just kind of thinking out loud about that. I think it's kind of interesting. Right. I definitely think it's interesting. And do I you think wanna, do you want to try to see if we can get some GM interviews? I, we could co-do them. I mean, like, there's some availability right now. <laughs> I feel like someone should give us a shot. Like just. Oh, sure. Just a, just no, I'm not saying we're qualified. I'm not even saying it'll go well. I'm saying it'd be interesting to just let us do it. Oh, absolutely. It would be very interesting, if nothing else. I I think the idea is great. I think in practice it becomes hard. And this is the same, this is the theory for almost every single position, not just pass rushers. Everyone says, well, why don't they just get a a good player and pay him a, a you know, he's 70% as good and you pay him, you know, 50% of the money. But usually the way it works is he's 70% as good and you pay him 95% of the money. Right, right. And... I'll, and then you there's, can there's exponential growth in there somewhere in terms of if you're good enough to be a guy that might make 15 million dollars some team will probably pay you 18 yep because there's not there's not you know let's we'll take defensive end right mm-hmm. or edge rusher mm-hmm. there are not because every team could use more than two right right um there are not 96 15 million dollar guys right or even close and so your 15 million guy dollar guy just becomes more important now you can sometimes if you've got really good coaching, you can like be like the Niners and you grab Arden Key for nothing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, hey, well, you'll look like a star with us. Mm-hmm. But that's more of a coaching thing than anything else. And that's one reason why I think smart teams invest so heavily in, in their finances, in scouting and coaching, because there's no salary cap there. Yeah, that's and, true. And you can, you can buy an edge. You can actually buy an edge. But I do think, in theory, I think you're right that if you could field a team with – 11 above average guys on the defensive side of the ball. It's a little different for offense, right? Mm-hmm. Because the positional values are so wonky there. Yeah. I, I think you would be better off than a team with like three or four stars and then, you know, five or six average guys and then one or two guys that maybe are a little subpar. And that's mm-hmm. a pretty good defense right there. 
And that's, I'm kind of describing the Chiefs, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, but you, you'd probably be better if you could have 11 above average guys. The problem is it's almost impossible to get that. Right. To get 11 average guys would, in, in theory, be the perfectly 50-50 thing to do. And right. that is also, like, 50% is not great in that, you know, keeping everyone above that threshold. So Yeah, yeah that's not that's not great odds. I just think it's kind of interesting. I don't know. You're right, though. We, like, we have gotten into some weird sidetracks because we're both tired of talking about the Steelers, and it's only Thursday. Uh, so let's let's put a bow on this sucker. We made it this far without Nate. We can go ahead and, and say what we think is going to happen. Give me something you're looking for that isn't just, you know— a blowout or whatever, but but something that you're intrigued by heading into this game and then loosely what you think it's going to be. I want to see what the offense looks like. Um, and Spags is who he is. Mm-hmm. He's generally going to be that dude in the regular season and in the playoffs. Although, I mean, I know there were reports that like they were going to like just unload the clip against the Cowboys before the bye week, and boy, did the defense look good mm. that week. So maybe there's some stuff there, but I'm genuinely curious to see what Andy Reid has reserved for the playoffs because every year they've they've done some stuff in the playoffs that have been pretty impressive. So I'm just curious what that looks like. You want to give me a score? I don't care about score predictions nearly as much as you might think if you are just listening and you hear me ask for them every week, but I do think it's kind of interesting as a little, a little snippet of where your head's at right now. I think um, the Chiefs 30-something, the Steelers 20. Earlier today, not 20 something. Earlier today, I said 27-17. I'm not even sure why that was the number that came out of my mouth. It's a little under the under. I think it's for, I think the under is 45 or 46 or something. I might have said 27 to 14. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. I think I think the over under is 46. Okay, so I, I think I did have it being two points under then. So I I, I I'm in that headspace partially because I I do wonder if there's a chance that the last. The fourth quarter of the game is just the Steelers going two yards at a time through the air and the Chiefs going four yards at a time on the ground and just kind of watching the game disappear a little bit. Because um, if they do get to that point, and man, they if it is within their power, I think they should. Because the Steelers have come back in fourth quarters. They have had good fourth quarters. I understand that. I right. still don't believe that they are a football team that will come back down from being down by... 10 points at the fourth quarter, much less 14 or 17 or something. Um, I just, it just doesn't seem like they have that, that firepower, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm edging just under that 30 point marker, but I also do not expect the Steelers to score very much, which I don't know. Maybe, maybe that is 30 near 30 to near 20 is where both of us ended up. So maybe we're both just right and smart and handsome and no one should ever second guess us, I guess. That could be my takeaway. I, I like where this is heading. Um, so if you want to read Seth's work, you can do that up at mnchiefsfan.substack.com. You can, of course, read Nate's work um, whenever he's uh, whenever he's back out here doing everything at theathletic.com. You can follow him on Twitter at by Nate Taylor. Seth is at Real MN Chiefs Fan. I am at JB Briscoe. We'll do a podcast uh, probably Monday and... We all think that it'll be recapping a victory for the Chiefs and looking ahead to the divisional round. We'll see. Um, I, which is which game is Monday night? It's Monday night's an NFC game, right? Yes, Arizona and the Rams. You said that so much more confidently than I expected you to, and you were right. And did I second I have, guess you? I did I have, not. I have a list. I'm 
uh, tonight for RGR football, um, I'm gonna I'm doing over unders, and that's picking, why you had all of that information at hand. I think they're gonna make me pick against the spread, and I don't know how to do that. Like, what does LV? What does Las Vegas plus five point five mean? Does that mean if I pick them and they lose by four points, I still win? That is exactly what that means. Oh. Said the Baptist. Yeah, this has been jarring. <laughs> this is yeah. I, this is a super. <laughs> I was just thinking very... about pretending not to know the answer to that, just so you wouldn't think less of me. You know, so like, well, yeah, but then if you do a teaser, you could actually move each of those lines by six points, and then you have, you have to have multiple. They all have to be winners at that point. So you know, you could put together a six-point teaser on all these games. Am I developing a, a northeastern now, accent? I've heard, know. I've heard the term teaser with regards to gambling, and from what I can tell. It's a way to convince people who think they're smarter than they are that they can beat Vegas. That's the best yes, I can tell. That is exactly what it does to me. I mean, does to people. Yes. George George Clooney once said that the house always wins. But here's and but, but here's I the trust thing. George Clooney. Here's the thing. Do you think just tell me just just um, just tell me how you feel about this, okay? Do you think that the Bengals will win outright? That the that the Bills will win outright and even would give you a couple extra points if the Patriots won by one or two points, you'd be okay. Maybe that the Rams win outright with a couple of points in your pocket. Well, if those three if those three things all happen, you've won a three team teaser, my friend, because we've moved that line those lines all down from six, four, and four. So all the, and then all the Bucks have to do is win by three if because we're moving that six and a half down to maybe maybe two and a half, maybe two. Maybe. How much money do people have to bet to make money off of this? Is it like a one-to-one thing? You like get, I bet 20 bucks to win 20 bucks? You'd probably get pretty even to one-to-one-ish on, on sure. a teaser, yeah. Sure. What if instead I just didn't? And traded crypto instead. That's a great yeah, way to talk about exactly that. That's exactly where I was going with it. What if instead I invested in Dogecoin? That's let's okay. So I've got a couple of sweet NFTs. I'd love to tell you about. <laughs> uh, we have run out of time, but I would be more than happy to tell you about all my fun NFTs and all of the great money I've made and all of the GameStop stock that I still own. And um, sorry, I just that's my hello. Yeah. It's my bank. Hold on one second, Seth. Uh-huh. All of it, huh? It's all? It's all gone? What about the crypto? You even know about that? Is that legal? I'm still not. I'm still fuzzy on it. Also gone. Okay. Can I call you back? I'm going to call you back. Uh, Seth, do you want to do another podcast tomorrow and then maybe four or five a day forever? Because I need to <laughs> I need to get these coffers uh, running know, again. You know what? I, I, I think they might be hiring at the Chief of the North newsletter. Yeah. So Great. Good. <laughs> I've got uh, a questionable work ethic and really questionable investment histories. So if that's what your company needs... Holler at me. Uh, usually Nate gives us the end of show bit and then some sort of outro. I, I don't know. I just filled the void there. You know, next man up like Eric Bienemy says. Uh, but Seth, I'll let you have the final word or words to wrap up this chaotic neutral episode of Time's Ours, I would say. If very chaotic neutral. I would just, uh, I, I, I hit on this the year they won the Super Bowl and I kind of lost it a little bit last year. Cheese fans, you are watching the most successful stretch the Chiefs have ever had. You are living through it. Enjoy the game. Enjoy watching Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill at the peak of their powers. Enjoy it. This stuff is really, really cool. Have fun with it. 
and hopefully we get to run that back the next week. And you can send me a couple bucks on Venmo if you're feeling like that might be the thing to do. <laughs>